I would be sad if you were dead. I much prefer. Hi, this is Sierra Iveson. And I'm Kevin Merritt, and we are the hosts of Muse, a brand new musical theater podcast where we explore the storylines, songs, characters, and themes of your favorite shows. Well, not exactly. <laughs> you probably have never heard of these shows because they're brand new and still in development, but we are betting they're about to become your favorites. We are digging deep by going straight to the source, the writers. Plus, each episode will have exclusive live-in-the-studio performances, impromptu table readings of the script, and whatever else comes up. Our mission is to get to the heart of these narratives and let you see, or hear, why these stories need to be told. The Muse is brought to you as a collaboration between... The National Alliance for Musical Theater... And One Foot Productions. The Muse podcast may contain adult language and themes. Keep that in mind when listening. So let's get started. Today, we are so excited to welcome Jesse Gage and his show, Simon and Jorge Pay Their Student Loans. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, we have a full studio today, which you're going to hear pretty soon. This is like the most amount of people we've ever (laughs) squeezed in this space. It's very exciting. Jesse, what do we need to know about Simon and Jorge before we get started? Well, I think it's something that we all, or most of us, can relate to, the issues that they face and the uh, predicaments they find themselves in. Um, I'm hoping we laugh, we cry, and we uh, <laughs> we leave um, with a new strategy as to how we compare student loans. Oh, that's good. Awesome. Can you introduce us to your cast before we get started? Oh, yes. Uh, we have uh, Jarrell, uh, all the way to the right here, who will be playing uh, Jorge. Um, next to him is Celeste. I'm sorry, it's Jarrell Javier, yes. playing Jorge, Celeste Rose, yes. playing Amy, Alette Taylor, playing uh, several roles today, because she's that talented, Jason Sweet Tooth Williams, yeah. uh, will be playing a couple roles, we have Cody Strand, who will uh-huh. be our uh, Simon, and we have Danny Orsetti on the percussion, who also did the arrangements and orchestrations for the show. And co-MD'd. And then his other partner in crime, uh, co-MD Benji Goldsmith, who will be playing the piano today. All right. Set us up uh, with the, the where are we? What time is this? This is, you know, 1800s, right? No. <laughs> yes. It is, uh, I think, pretty much present day. Okay. Uh, very present day problems. And uh, the show kicks off at the John F. Kennedy High School College Fair. Which is, do we know what state that is in? Or does um, it matter? It's kind of like Springfield in The Simpsons, okay. I would say. All right. Okay. It's anywhere. Anywhere USA. Anywhere. Um, and there's where we first meet Simon and Jorge, who are seniors in high school. Hello, I'm Lisa, representative for Cardell University, the largest chain of for-profit colleges in the United States. Have you two given any thought to your plans for after high school? Mm, probably score some weed, hit up Taco Bell. I meant with your life. Yeah, so did I. I think she means, like, as a job. Oh, that. Yeah, I'm going to be a super famous DJ. You know, And I'm going to make the world a better place. Well, guess what? What? Cardell University offers majors in both DJing and making the world a better place. No! Yes! And with our exclusive lender, Sally Ray's Financial Opportunity Package, it's basically free. Woohoo! Let's go to college! Simon and Jorge graduate from Cardell University seven years later. As we stand up here today, I can't help but thinking about the famous words of John F. Lincoln. Who said that's what your country can do for you. And then you can do what you do with your country too. Dudes, it's graduation. 
brightest bulbs in the box. But that's okay, because America rocks! It's the land of equal opportunity, where all you need to succeed is a college degree. I'll be spinning mad beats at the hottest club, fancy hotel suites with the hottest tubs. I'll be stopping We have some questions for you. Uh, I didn't do it. and uh, <laughs> So these guys took seven years to go to college, to graduate from college, which I love how you put in the script for, with BS degrees. Yes. Which yes. in my world was a Bachelor of Science, but <laughs> I get the uh, – um, so fill us in. Uh, what happens? They graduate, right? They, they be, have, be, have really successful careers. They do um, for about 30 seconds. Uh, and there is a quick um, scene transition from the opening number where they clearly express their dreams and hopes and aspirations. Uh, and it transforms quickly into the reality of their life, which ends up being uh, baristas working at a coffee chain known as No Bucks Coffee. So before we get into that, Jesse, I'm curious, uh, how did you come to uh, write this story from college to no bucks? Well, it I mean, it actually started with an idea Danny and I talked about of uh, a a story of um, Burke and Hare, who was a a duo that in the 18 or 1700s in England uh, would kill people and sell their bodies Mm. uh, to medical research. Totally so, yeah. see the connection here. Oh my god! <laughs> so Spoilers. from there, so there we we're like, hmm, maybe not. But it got the wheels turning in my mind about. But I wonder, maybe they could. I wonder if you could pay your student loans that way. <laughs> so we were uh, both in grad school, at NYU's graduate uh, musical theater writing program, mm-hmm. and faced with the challenge of yes, how, how are we going to pay these? So uh, as I started to think about that. It seemed like a funny idea, um, but they couldn't kill people. They had mm. to come up with a way where they would take the organs um, or sell their own organs or something to do with that. So it, it kind of flowed into what ultimately became the story of this. Cool. And Jesse, that was your second advanced degree, right? Speaking of going to college? It is, and it was, yes. I, in a previous life, um, had worked as a lawyer uh, off and on for a number of years, probably 10 or 15 years. Uh I would quit, go play piano and sing uh, as a singer-songwriter, um, and had a moderately successful career doing that. Uh, but eventually, it was it was a tiring. I should have played the harmonica instead of the piano. Is what I realized. <laughs> uh, lugging a piano around is a is a big old pain in the ass. And um, yeah, life moves on, and 
I'd left, I left the dream of being a rock and roll star and a lawyer. And, uh, well, we're glad to have you here. In <laughs> yes, yes. There's one thing in the, the, there's this idealism that I love in this first song, actually the first, that the very opening scene into that is, is that, you know, these, one of these kids, it seems like can barely get out of high school, but he, he wants to save the world. Right. Is that just, is that you? Is that what we all are when we're at that age? And, and we just have these dreams of saving the world and, and what's going to get there is a college education. And, and maybe there's a little bit of a, of this Cardell rep taking advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a, as all of the above. I yeah. think you always, you know, originally the evolution of these characters was they started off as just kind of, uh, you know, hairbrained stoners um, and realizing like that's, you know, would work in uh, Harold and Kumar and in <laughs> cinema, but in theater, we needed someone to really root for. Not that we, we love Simon, but um, so Jorge became, became the kind of idealistic uh, kind of do good character. Mm-hmm. And, but now I agree. And it, it's something that uh, was certainly taken advantage of. And give us a little background of Jorge. What, uh, what's his, um, uh, we, we get it. We'll get into it a little later, but um, he. Or does it's important to know now, or should we? Oh, it's not important to know now. We're gonna move. We'll tell you. Yes, Sierra's <laughs> shaking her head. Like, don't ruin that. Okay. Um, we just have to save it for our next. Okay. Topic. Okay. No, that's good. I'm, that's why I looked at you because there was silence in the room, and I was like, "Oopsie, I wasn't supposed to reveal that." You can do whatever you desire. Okay, Kevin. but let's let's um, let's move forward because. Yeah. We're coming up on my part, I think. Yeah, Jesse, what? what uh, so we're about to go into No Bucks, uh, right. which is yep. where Simon and Jorge have wound up. Can you tell us what new characters we're gonna we're gonna meet? Yeah, for sure. Um, at No Bucks, aside from our our duo, um, we meet Scott, the long term lifer of No Bucks, the manager um, who has dedicated his whole existence to the corporate belief system, and Amy, who is a fellow barista and also Cardell graduate. And future uh, Jorge love interest. Oh, so we're full of spoilers on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And right. uh, okay, and you, are you reading, Kevin? Are you getting yes, on the, yes? On the I job? was. I was given the part of Scott, right. so right, I'm going to read for Scott. Yeah. Which, um, hold on. <clears throat> okay, I think I'm ready. <laughs> Mr. Simon, Mr. Jorge, I didn't hear you promoting No Bucks New Small Batch Blueberry Brie Artisanal Scones. Also, Sally Ray called about paying back your financial opportunity package. We have to pay that back. You do, and you haven't. So guess what? We get to play a little game called Garnish Garnish Your Wages. wages. Garnish? Like parsley? No, like take your paycheck and send it to Sally Ray. Let me explain. From day one... We're told that we need a college degree if we want to succeed. So we did what they said, but they never said we'd be working as coffee clerks. But this is how it works. One, two, three, four. Kids are told college is super duper cool. So they go to the banks for the loans for the school. And the banks give them money with a secret little rule. In the details, the devil lurks. Subsidy. 
mom and I need that money. How are we gonna pay for our bills? Bills? How am I gonna pay for my weed? What's this world coming to when you can't buy a dime bag? Can't roll up a joint and chill out to Pink Floyd. What's this world coming to when you can't buy a dime bag? What the hell is the point of being employed? I'm back with more good news. You two are on toilet duty today. Enjoy. Dude, it is like a homicide in this stall. Yeah, and this cleaning solution is like... Totally toxic. Yeah, totally. Are you huffing the cleaning solution? What? No. Yeah. Sadness. Much sadness. Oh, what's this world coming to when I can't afford rent? What's this world coming to? Help my mom pay the bills. Piling up since dad died. So, all right. So we've seen what the world's coming to for Simon and Jorge. Um, tell me a little bit more about them before we go into the next sort of phase of conflict. Tell me about uh, what what we're missing in the show when we skip ahead. Well, uh, as far as a little backstory on the yeah. characters, um, Simon is kind of a mystery man. He lives in a, a in a tent, uh, a three person tent, which he's very proud to let people know. Um, and he's happy with that. I feel like I didn't yeah. fully clock that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, we do learn that in the show. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, a, yeah. In a little bit of dialogue. But uh, yeah, he's, he's. I would say, he's a big dreamer um, without a whole lot of motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know everybody has a, a friend or a family member <laughs> that's like that. I feel like a whole part of myself that's like that. <laughs> that's yeah. true, yes. Uh, and, and Jorge um, is... I would say he also is a bit of a dreamer, but more of a realist and um, an idealist. Uh, he is 
as we get to find out in the show of Puerto Rican descent um, and his mother, Rosalita, who ends up playing quite a critical role in the overall narrative, um, is a strong character who's uh, raised a very um, uh, a son to be proud of, mm. I would say. Um, yeah, so I have to ask because we, we don't get a lot of Rosalita in what we're doing here, but it is a big part in the show. And um, is it modeled after anyone that you know? Or, I mean, I was just like, wow, I, I wonder if this is so. It's funny you ask that. You don't have to answer that if it's too <laughs> personal. But uh, no, it is. It is modeled after probably my mother-in-law. Um, who is a uh, lifetime New Yorker, born and raised on the Lower East Side, uh, came from Puerto Rico, I think, when she was five, and uh, is completely unfiltered um, <laughs> and will you know, say whatever comes to the front of her mind, good or bad, um, but big hearted and, um, and also is just dedicated to her children. Uh, so and has saved the day on a few occasions, just like Rosalita does. Uh, so we don't get this here, but I'm going to spoil a couple things because Rosalita sings a song about sandwiches, and we it's find true. out that she's super obsessed with sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sandwiches have just always been kind of funny to me for some reason. <laughs> yeah. She's like pushing them on everyone who comes in yeah. the door, and then she's also obsessed about this cable guy. That's the other part I love about her character that everyone who comes to the door she assumes is the cable guy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, that's again modeled very strongly after my mother-in-law. Um, but the the sandwich thing flows from um, Rosalita and her unfortunately deceased husband had a sandwich shop back in the day, and she's I think still figuring out how to move on with life. And part of her connection to the past is continuing to make an overabundance of sandwiches, <laughs> um, which are offered to everyone, including the Russian mobster slash um, not cable guy. Mm. Yes. And so what you just said, though, really hones in on a, a really important part of Jorge's world, which is that he's helping his mom pay the rent. They're they're making do. And it, it's a very funny show, but has so much heart in, in a lot of storylines. But this is a big spot. Yeah, totally. Yep. His yes, his uh, I want as you know, our motivation for this whole journey um, is to figure out how to save their home, uh, because uh, as I mentioned, the dad is gone. The sandwich shop has been closed and they're struggling to uh, get by. Mm -hmm. And and his no bucks paycheck has now been cut down to almost nothing. And it started pretty close to nothing. And um, yes, it's a struggle throughout the show to figure out how they're going to save their house. Mm. And Simon's trying to score weed. I <laughs> Which I love. He's not apologetic about that. He just—he really is like that's a that's a uh, you know a, a good life goal for him, and he he's proud of that. Which you know, wrong but strong in my world, right? And he and his intentions are that's where the tent thing comes up. He invites Rosalita and Jorge to move into his three person tent uh, as his attempt at you know saving the day. Mm. So as we yeah, every show, I mean. Well, I'm trying to not spoil anything. Uh, every, we're about to meet some of the tangible villains of Simon yes. and Jorge. Can you can you tell us who we're about to see? Yeah. Uh, so the villains of the story are um, the counter forces to, to the the goodness in Simon and Jorge. Uh, we have um, Dean Delworth, who is the dean of Cardell University. Ooh, Cardell's back. Cardell, yes, the large for profit chain of colleges. Um, we have uh, Sally Ray who is the president and owner of the Sally Ray Student Loan Company. And then lastly, we have E.F. Harrington, who is the coffee mogul and uh, president and owner of No Bucks Coffee, which is the second largest chain of coffee shops in the United States. We won't mention the first. That's important. And who's going to read these parts before we get into it? Yes. So we have 
Olette Taylor reading as Sally Ray. We have Jason Williams uh, reading as Dean Dulworth. And we have our multi-talented co-music director, Benji Goldsmith, reading as E.F. Harrington. And we meet the three villains who are dining out at a fancy restaurant in this scene with their uh, pinkies out and their noses up. I just felt the instinct to boo them. Boo. Oh, yes. They are the type that, you know, you hiss and boo and we welcome that. Awesome. All right. Let's hear it. I propose a toast to Dean Delworth and his academic empire. We can barely write the loans fast enough. <laughs> and cheers to you, Sally Ray. You keep lending piles of money to those undeserving applicants who should never be going to college in the first place, and we'll keep admitting them to Cardell University. And thanks to both of you, No Bucks has a never-ending supply of cheap, desperate, well-educated, overqualified employees just ready to be garnished, like a well-oiled money-making machine. <laughs> to money! To money! To money! And us! And, and us! us. Bloody filthy rich They say life's a bitch But not when you're this rich And it just gets better with each new day It's too bad everyone can't live this way But you can't have a rich without the poor Quite right, my dog walker is poor So I guess that's just what income inequality is for That's what it's for That's what it's for It may be sad but true that it sucks to be you some things are just meant to be What a good time it is to be me Your meals are served Shark fin soup with foie gras And extra confined veal Bon appetit Splendid Whoever said you can't buy happiness Clearly wasn't as rich as us Because when life gets sad or makes no sense We just buy another car or residence now some might say this isn't fair Oh boo who? Oh boo fucking who? But when it's not you who's getting screwed It's really easy not to care Let's keep the motor humming So the money keeps on coming And we can happily agree What a good time it is to be Living unabashedly In the lap of luxury And maybe even eventually Buying immortality what a good time it is to be me! <laughs> yay! Collective, yay! Oh, I have to say, musical comedy satire is just the sweet spot for me, Jesse. I love this number. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that's definitely my my genre. It's almost too bad it's a podcast because I feel like I have like a whole dance routine over here happening. You it just was. imagine they it. They just didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so. After this number, um, we get a chance to see Simon and Jorge enter the gig economy. Is that right? That is correct, yes. So talk to us a little bit about what they get up to. Um, well, you know, uh, they do their best to try and supplement their garnish no bucks mm -hmm. income um, by taking on some of the big hitters in the gig economy, TaskRabbit, Instacart, uh, Uber, or, oh, sorry, Lyft, um, and find out, again, the harsh reality of today's life for you know the the, the new graduates mm. in that um, 
it's nothing's as as advertised in this modern day, I think. And again, they find out no matter how hard they try to do what's right and solve their problems legitimately, um, the system keeps kind of screwing them over. Mm. And Jesse, have you done any crazy gig jobs? Wow. Yes. Um, I mean, aside from the usual uh, uh, bartending and waiting tables, mm-hmm. I was a gardener for a funeral home for a while. Ooh. Yeah. I was a stock boy at Victoria's Secret uh, for a year in college. Oh, <laughs> it's their first male employee ever. Uh-huh. Uh, and that they let me work the floor one day, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> they oh they got kind of complaints, <laughs> not because of my style, but. <laughs> ah, just because just of your presence. Women were, yeah, th- yeah. They was, were like, I don't want this man selling me thongs. No, no, but the guys that came in were super, like, oh wow, I should talk to you. Oh, was, interesting. Yeah. Kevin, do you have a do you have a good one? Uh, you know, I I uh, made a living in my teens, <laughs> if you can say that, um, doing magic for children's birthday parties. It was a oh. good gig, and um, yeah, and that was, and then I was actually a census taker. Um, and right when I got to New York, I didn't have a job. Well, I worked at a shoe store in Barnes and Noble, but none of those lasted very long. But then I, I realized there was jobs with the census. Sweet. And that was a good that was a good gig. Yeah. It paid well. Yeah, it yeah. paid well. And I just got to walk around the streets. Most people wouldn't let you in and thought you were crazy. <laughs> um, but it was good. So the- my best gig was the only job I've ever been fired from, and it was to be Barney at children's parties. Wow. <laughs> Barney. Oh fired my God. Uh, for... Yeah. Uh, one time I left Barney's hands and feet at home and had to do Stumpy Barney and um, was immediately fired. Yeah. But maybe a discount if you discounted. You <laughs> I know. mean, I was like, it was like writing, do I destroy this child's life or like, do I get through this gig? So I got through it and then they fired me. You were just trying to show the challenges faced by those that are, you know. Yeah. Working without hands and feet. I've always dreamed of telling my Stumpy Barney story. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I was a college student. Okay, so yeah. that was devastating. Were you like, did you yeah. cry? Well, because the deal know, was, like, I was mom, supposed oh God, to be a... Fired. Yeah, well, I was supposed to be a princess. And then they like snuck it in on you that like before you get to be a princess, you actually have to be knockoff Barney. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, okay, other good gigs in the house? I used to um, I used to stock mini bars at a hotel, which oh. was a great job because you just hang around like little bottles of, bottles of liquor all day. And no, I mean, that's not the good part, yeah. but <laughs> but you just like hang around by yourself with a cart and you just go into rooms and, you know, sure. see what weird things people have left. Uh, I you know. bet that is wild. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right. So back to Simon and Jorge. Um, you also in this like window, is this where we sing Darknet? Uh, yes. Yeah. So after their failed attempts at the legitimate uh, efforts, so to say, um, they turn to the dark net mm. in hopes of finding an alternative solution to their to their problems. And um, eventually uh, they find themselves indebted to the Russian mob, unfortunately. Because of why? This is an important part. It is. I mean, everyone can relate to the problem of crystal meth manufacturing gone wrong. We've all <laughs> been there. Um, and unfortunately, in their case, it's tied uh, to the Russian mob and leaves them indebted. And now... Believe it or not, their problems have escalated. Ah, escalation. Mm. We all love it in good comedy. And so how, how much do they owe the Russian mob before we enter this scene? They are in the hole for 10 grand. Okay. Um, 10 grand. And on top of their student loans, uh, which were a problem, and many hundreds of thousands of dollars, now their uh, safety and, and well-being is- And then the hole because the, the crystal meth manufacturing didn't go well. This is correct, and, yes. And, and there was- a, 
like an explosion? Yes, yes. Uh, Rosalita, Jorge's mother, finally uh, resorts to fixing the cable herself and causes a bit of an electrical explosion, which interrupts the manufacturing of the meth operation, which leads to a beaker embedded into Jorge's forehead. Uh, and which leads us to our next scene, uh, and that is at Dr. Bob's medical office, where they're <laughs> heading to get treated for Jorge's current uh, ailment and also beaker discover in forehead, beaker I in forehead. <laughs> yes. define it yes. and at the same time discover something they didn't know an opportunity an opportunity all right let's do it have you two ever thought about selling your organs that's dr bob from dr bob's medical office people sell their organs to pay their debts i didn't say that you said that but since you said that yes you can i am not selling my organs simon why because we need them to stay alive Actually, that's not entirely true. Back in the caveman days, there were so many different ways for a caveman to violently die. So that is the reason why they grew the extra organs for surviving a dinosaur. But now the dinosaur Sores are gone, and the extra organs still live on. So who needs two and one will do? If you stop and think about it, what does that extra eye or kidney do? You know you can't live without it. And just think how rich we'll Bob, then find out what's in store with the Russian mob. Fine, but I blame you that there's nothing else we can do besides live with one instead of two. We have the most genius plan ever. Oh no, please, tell me you're not thinking of doing what I think you're thinking of doing. I don't know. Are you thinking we're thinking of having Dr. Bob remove our kidneys and selling them for ten grand each? Your kidneys? Dr. Bob! I can't let you do this, Jorge! What choice do I have? Without this money, me and my mom will be homeless. And the Russian mob will kill us. That too! Why do you even care? Because... Because why? Because I... You... I... You... I... Ah! Extra foam latte. I've been finding myself feeling a funny kind of way. And there is something I want to tell you, but I haven't had the balls to say. So I guess I should reveal.
I much prefer you alive instead of the alternative Cause when you're dead it's really hard to live And I could not forgive myself if I never said I would be sad if you were dead Are we ready to do this? I first saw you when you were grinding Ethical organic coffee beans Talking about a revolution by all necessary means And if that failed you were going to move to A jungle in the Philippines I didn't know where that was But I knew I'd go just because I would be sad if you were dead Like if you got cancer or if you bled to death from getting knife or a preventable plane crash took your life or a great white might come and bite you in the head I would be sad if you were dead like from an aneurysm or botulism or a swarm of Mexican killer bees could be asphyxiation or an alien invasion or some unknown with my plans. Exactly. And look where that got us. Ugh. Not righteous, dude. So not righteous. We used to play Xbox. We used to be best bros. We used to share our socks. We used to know it all, but now who knows? Cause my world has turned all upside down And changed my smile into a frown But I guess that's what I get For thinking life was a duet So who needs two and one will do If you really think about it what does that extra person do for you? You know you can live without it Existing happily Ignoring humanity So who needs to? Not me But what about when the world was ours We were rocking out On our air guitars Full of hope and THC It was me for you And you for me But then the ashless 
right before that that the the Jorge and that second number is like fantasy Jorge because he's left with Amy and left Simon alone to harvest his organs yes he's he's in the dream bubble uh, over his over his shoulder the big BFF breakup BFF breakup yeah okay so Jesse we hit on this a little bit but why organ farming like how like <laughs> talk to me I mean I, I I know how you got there from the from the dead bodies but like as it lives in the world of this play is there what do you want to say about organs well, I mean, it eventually ties into another element of the the, the story and the thematic threads mm. flowing through the story. Sure. Um, in that the villains, uh, eventually the organs tie into the villains. Oh. And um, their lifeblood. Spoil a little bit of the, the full story that we don't hear today. But it turns out our trio of villains is uh, part of a, a secret underground society of super rich people who have extra organs installed to enhance their functionality and um, <laughs> eventually, ultimately, hopefully, make them immortal. Um, and it turns out that's where Simon's <gasps> kidney is. No. Yeah. So they're just the, like now they've garnished their wages and their organs. And their organs. So a little bit about the income inequality that we face today, as well as the, uh, you know, the challenges of the healthcare system for those mm-hmm. who have and have not. So is this, a, I mean, because I was thinking, is this the real, when I was in college, people were sperm donors. That's how they made extra money. <laughs> not <Right>. me. Or blood. <laughs> yeah, blood. And I just, I assume now it's organs and I just didn't know about it. Or is this it, a real thing? It, it. I mean, there are some really, uh, you, I did a very little bit of just checking stuff out. It's a, it's a scary world out there. Yes. But oh. um, there it's, it's, it's done probably less voluntarily, I would say, in some, mm. in some countries. Oh. Oof. And so as we discover that they're actually um, the the super rich villains of the story are taking these organs, we also find they're in a in a cult of sorts. Right. Can you talk right. to us about yes. sort of what we discover? Uh, well, that is, yes, it's, they're called the order of superior beings. And they basically uh, believe that net worth is the the religion of modern day. And uh, the more you have, the more you're entitled to, uh, including mm. Simon's kidney. And others. Jesse, what I love about this show is it's like it's so absurd until we realize you're speaking very painful truth. Like it's like it's it's like we can like laugh and laugh and and then it's like, oh gosh. Yeah, wow. Yes. A little bit of sad reality thrown in with the last it's easier to laugh at our problems sometimes sure. than cry about it. And them. when you eventually stage this, do you do you envision like super bloody gory or are we sort of going more abstract theater magic? Am I totally putting you on the spot with this question? Uh, you know, I I could see it going either way. Mm-hmm. I think it could be something that would be really fun to do, uh in a very kind of graphic uh detailed way or it could be something that's hinted at okay. and suggested okay um, yeah. I just want to pat you on the back for a couple of my favorite moments one is uh, I would be sad I'd love that song oh, and to me and you know it's it. it's like in in Fiddler you know when uh, do you love me you know it's like that's her way of saying I love you <laughs> yes, I, I would be plus. sad if you were dead I'm not going to say I love you I just it's brilliant uh, and then also I love the reprise of who needs to and the twist of I mean that's so that was a very satisfying moment when I had 
the idea popped into my head. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And it fits Simon because we don't really know anything about Simon's background. We Mm -hmm. don't know anything about his parents. And he seems to super, like if everyone's going to take the fall, it's going to be Simon. Like he can do it. Right. You know, I'm living in a tent alone and it fits three people but i'm cool with it being alone oh that's so sad i knew about that but he's like so i can do it who needs to right he's done it this far and so anyway uh those are really great moments and he's making up for the the miss the wrong paths that he's led jorge down right i was gonna say and jorge is like really tried here and but now he's like got the girl he wants to take care of his mom he's like bro you're too much yes He's making up for his. He's his making up. Past. So he has a big transformation because we're about to hit uh, a really pretty important part of the show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's w- happened? What happens? Um, so yeah, we get to the point where uh, Jorge and Amy are working the annual No Bucks yacht party, mm. uh, where they have been invited, what they believe to be as um, guests, based on their record sales in their store but turns out they're there just to be the help yes which we missed a point with which my character scott yes yes which i've now uh, owned that character this is you uh yeah he this is a great part that we didn't get is is he is super attached to going to this party because he he believes that associating with these people will sort of elevate his status yes and then he gets there and he's sorely disappointed but he finds out the reality and uh and and he's really corporately in love with ef Harrington. <laughs> Corporately, <in love>. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is his just this his his god in a way. And uh, when he finds out that there there is the help, it just devastates him. And it's at that point that Scott reveals the true nature of the triumvirate uh, between the, the the dean, the Sally Ray, and the EF characters that they're all in cahoots, as well as the location of Simon's kidney. And this is the tipping point for Jorge, who has had enough. And he has decided that it's time um, to do something about it. Mm. Uh, and so he, uh, along with Amy, who was working the yacht party together, um, decide, yeah, let's be proactive and rescue a kidney. And I think you're going to yeah. play this one. Yeah. Cool. Right. Jesse is doing double duty as our writer, guitarist. Did Every, a, he did everything. a waiter line earlier. It was really good. <laughs> We tried it their way We played by their rules But now it's clear they Played us for fools They think that we're a joke But I'm not joking They left us all for broke But I'm not broken Cause I cannot go on with the way things are This time they've gone Way too far I'm gonna make things right The way they should have been And it's time for the losers to win Right on. I like your thinking. What are you thinking? They took Simon's kidney. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna take it back. And how are you going to do that? I googled it. Are you crazy? If this goes wrong, Jorge, your life is over. Well, at least it's finally beginning. Cause one shot is all we got on this merry-go-round. Lives can be lost. Lives can be found. And for too long, the bastards have been keeping us down. So we can be 
Jesse, that was awesome. Oh, good. I, watching writers sing their own stuff is a special joy for me. I've got to say, because it, it's funny watching you be like, like watching the hard things you wrote for other people to sing. <laughs> well, right. You know, if I can sing it, then. Yeah. If someone can sing it, if I can. Mm-hmm. So to place us in time, we just finished Loser's Anthem. Go, Jorge. <laughs> Go Jorge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is his his, yeah, this is his activation moment. Yes. He is ready to uh take charge. He's out of kind of Simon's shadow a little bit and realize it's his turn. Classic hero's journey, right? Well yeah, he gets his shot to save the world. It's not the Peace Corps. Yeah, yeah. They both do their part to to you know put the BFF back together. Yeah. So what is so what does Jorge do to try to save Simon? Well he he, Or Simon's kidney. Um, he, uh, because they are working the yacht party and working in the kitchen, um, they, they realize that they have pretty much everything they need as far as utensils right there, um, for the procedure. And so with this, it's that simple to yeah. just, as like every surgeon just like walks back. into the kitchen, they just make it seem complicated. Yeah. You know, uh, we could all really do it, but then they, you know, it's going to be it's your really third degree trade school type thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. And why are they yeah. wasting? Well, yeah. this goes into the student loan thing, right? They're trying to get all these mm-hmm. doctors to pay, you know, hundreds exactly. of thousands of dollars for something that you could learn on the internet, on the internet, like everything yeah. else you can learn there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's their mo in this next scene, um, and I think we learn exactly how they accomplish this. All right, you ready? Let's cut this son of a bitch open. I'll take that as a yes. First step incision here, six inches. Got it. Six inches. <sighs> Steak knife. Steak knife. I really hope Google Translator was right. Google Translator. The only instructions I can find were in Ukrainian. Of course. Okay, here goes. One, two, three! Jorge plunges the knife into EF and blood squirts everywhere and they frantically try to stop it. Uh, What's going on? If the instructions were in Ukrainian, that would be metric. And if it's metric, it would be six centimeters, not six inches. Oh, curse you, metric! Turkey baster. Turkey baster. Spatula. Spatula. Staple gun. Staple gun. Blowtorch. Blowtorch. <sighs> okay. Uh, I think that's holding. Oh, God, I hope so. Uh, uh, what's next? Reach in and Simon's kidney should be all the way to the left. Ew, uh, I feel <sighs> something. And it's a kidney? No, small intestine. Uh, how about this? Oh, stomach. Oh, wait, I think I got them. Uh, there's three of them. And it's... A kidney! A kidney! <laughs> we got Simon's kidney. We got Simon's kidney. And we didn't kill E.F. Harrington. Woohoo! And for once, the losers won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it feels good. And with that, they rush the kidney back to Dr. Bob, who reinstalls it into Simon and revives him from his coma, which we forgot to mention he was in a coma at this point, Michelle, yeah. (laughs) Key information. Important point. And with that, our duo becomes a trio. Amy joins, and along with Simon and Hori, they go on a mission to recover the rest of the stolen organs, which, as we discussed earlier, were being harvested by this order of superior beings and installed to enhance their existence and their functionalities. This is where the story gets a little Matrix on us, right? This is a whole other world. Yeah, yeah. again, escalation. (laughs) You know, when you start at a certain level and they escalate from there, where can you go but organs and and surgery? 
Um, and then it goes beyond that. And in the process, they they form this trio to a kind of a Robin Hoodie existence. Uh, but instead of money they're stealing from the rich, they're stealing back the organs. Um, and in the process, not only do they recover the organs and make the world a better place, they wipe out their student loan debt which we all yeah. were waiting to have happen, right? Exactly. You know, with the title, pay their student loans, we sort of had to get there. Exactly. You set that expectation. Right. And it's nice, you know, it creates a little secret for the audience to, to wait on the answer to. We know mm-hmm. it happens, we don't know how. So everyone's in suspense to see how that is mm-hmm. How big is this secret society? Are, they, are this is like... Well, it depends on how uh, how big a production we have. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the answer? Right. That's, what is it? that's <laughs> the challenge, right? The secret society will be paying for the production. Exactly. It's self- with organs. Right. With organs. Uh, yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Uh, we, we, we we, you can buy tickets with organ donations at the door, actually. So we'll have an alternative payment. I method. see a lot of, like, merch opportunities oh. here. And, like, you know, at intermission where they hand out things on a platter. Right. You know, or the cocktail, like the brain cocktail, you know, you can get. I use a lot of squishy, like, stress balls, and, like, it feels like that's ripe yeah, for right. organ I like the squishy sound, too. I mean, Thank you. For yeah. those who are in the Foley world, we have a lot of uh, listeners that are really into Foley, I'm sure. So <laughs> can you they explain were ju- how you yeah. made that sound? Uh, yes, years of practice. Years okay. of practice. Uh, I think it's something I've heard on the Stern Show, to be honest with you. I'll just <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll reveal my source. Um, uh, All right, so kick us into the next song. So what... We've they've saved the world. They've saved their debt. They've saved their friends. They paid off the Russian mob. They paid off Jorge's house. Aww. Another important about the mob, right, is that what, what's the mobster's name again? Uh, that is Mr. Nikolai. Yes, and he ends up falling for. Uh, did I miss? Did I get this wrong? But he falls for uh, Jorge's mom. Or yes, they have a little thing. There's a lot of love connections by the end of the story, <laughs> uh, where like everybody you- ends up with a happy ending. Literally. No, uh, I mean, not literally. It's not that type not of show. Not that type but, of show, no. Just, but it is interesting, the mobster and the and the Puerto Rican yes. uh, mom. And yeah, there's so much we couldn't include. Yes, in this, it's just you know. just a teaser to come and, and watch the production when it happens. Okay. Uh, and so, yes, and, and finally, on top of it all, um, as a... As a way of finally getting justice, uh, you know, completely accomplished, they become the uh, eventual deans of Cardell University. At the top of the pyramid, they are back. Yes, we st- we end the show where we started, but this time Simon and Jorge and Amy are in charge of the operation, and uh, the losers get to win. All right, let's hear it. As we stand up here today, we give you this warning It won't all be rainbows and unicorns So remember when they're pissing on your parade You should be turning that urine into lemonade Dudes, you're graduating And we don't want to keep the party waiting So we'll leave you with these final thoughts You can't all be doctors and astronauts And if you find yourself Oh, you're amazing. Oh, you're- All right.
Yeah. Before we move on, I want to I want to talk to these actors for a bit. Yeah. Um, because uh, we've gone on such a journey with them. Yeah, and they're. I don't want to embarrass you guys. No one's going to see you blushing, but you are both so lovable in these parts. Yeah. I mean, really, it's it's. Uh, yeah, and I I actually think it's there's a real chemistry between you two that uh, that makes this show. I mean, the show works, but it makes it work even more. So, I'm curious. Uh, what you know from the acting point of view what it's like to play these roles and how much of this is the real you because i mean it's fully believable well uh personally simon about it is about as far away from me as i think because i remember amy the director had to explain to me what a dime bag was <laughs> i had no idea and she was like you know what a dime bag is and I'm like what is is that for drags like i had no idea i had no idea so I love that moment when a director has to be like, yeah. do you know Do you know what that is? And it's a like test that. and you know you're failing. Mm. You're like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. No, um, I think for me, I think it, um, Jorge is very close to, I think, my personal demeanor on a day-to-day basis. Um, I have a large cholesterol-filled heart that I like to um, <laughs> I like to wear on my sleeve, and I feel like that's kind of what makes Jorge so lovable, is that he is very transparent. And uh, yeah, it's... It's, it was really lovely, though, to meet Cody on the first day and just, like, immediately feel like, oh, okay, you're, like, my kind of people. Like, oh, yeah, you, like, yeah, it was just, like, and when we were reading through it, I remember just making so many, like, stupid choices, just going off of what he was doing, and then it was just this, like amalgamation of just like stupid choices that like somehow <laughs> worked and Amy was just like oh yeah 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 we're gonna keep that but th- I'm not directing you to do that we're just gonna <laughs> you guys did that on your own so we're just gonna solidify that and set that um so it, it's it's it was it's been really it's been really lovely but yeah I resonate with Jorge a lot I think so I want to uh, quickly actually do a full introduction. So you're talking about meeting at the uh, Festival of New Musicals, NAMS Festival in 2019. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, your director, Amy Corcoran. Yes. And then I have to do a huge shout out to our casting director, Michael Casera, who yes. brought you together for us. Yeah, yeah I love him. Love, love, love Michael. Yeah. Do you have a favorite bromance source material that you feel like you pull into this? No pressure. Well, I mean, I... Yeah, have I do one every night? You know what I mean. Look at Merman plague, but it's like I. It's, so I kind of. You live a. I bromance. live that. I yeah. live the bromance. You know, so that it's it's easy, and it's most easy when you click with somebody. So because he and I got along very well because we're two fish of the same school. I love that. I know that's a really good one. I just yes. I just made it up. I know. Wow. I was like I just two two. Organs of the same body. That's <laughs> it. Boom. Yeah. One thing I love about Simon's character is he keeps he keeps making these decisions that really aren't the smartest horrible. decisions. But, They're horrible. But a, you do it with such confidence. And <laughs> Strong and wrong. B, like Jorge, just sort of. Goes along with it, even though even though he knows it's not a good decision. But then he. he, he like, you don't you don't lambast him for it. You don't like you, you know you, you support him still and and so I'm wondering, do you, either you guys have siblings that you model this after or because there is sort of like a brothers thing where like I want to hate you but your family so I can't hate you but otherwise I want to hate you because you just you know basically you know walked me into a, a, a 
organ pond farming of, situation. Yeah, of alligators. Well, I don't know if I have anything that intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but there, you, we all know that person that like, you're like, oh, let's do this thing. And then it turns out to be the worst thing ever, but you really like them. So you're like, I guess I'll do this, but I hate it. I hate every second of this, just so you know. But I guess I like you. So. Right. For me, I think it's, um, I have huge FOMO, like fear of missing out mm. is always a huge motivator <laughs> for me of just like, I will experience anything once, especially if like enough people are on it because I want, I'm there for the camaraderie and like the bonding experience, even if it's like for skydiving. Like when, when I was on tour with Lightning Thief, they were like, we're going skydiving. I was like, that is my worst fear all in one. <laughs> but so many people in the cast were doing it that I was like, oh, I have to do it. Otherwise I know that I'm going to like kick myself and be really like I'm going to feel really left out if I don't do it. So I think in the same way, it's like Jorge, a lot of these things is simply because of the fact that like, if he doesn't do it with Simon, Simon's going to do it anyway. And so he's kind of trying to do, <laughs> he's going to, he's trying to do damage control, but also trying to kind of like show support, but like disdain every step of the way. I you know what I mean? I love FOMO yeah, as like a motivating yeah. factor yes. for Jorge. It makes so much sense. It's so that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of like what, when I was first reading like the NAMP version of our show, it, it was very much the motivating factor of just like, I, I have to do it. I mean, he's my bud. Yes. But also it's like, if I'm not there to protect them, he's going to die. And I love him too much. You know what I mean? Yes. But also yes. there's a one in a hundred chance that this actually could be the greatest idea in the world. Right. And, and if, if I miss if it, I miss then that, I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's this constant state of just like begrudgingly doing what he wants to do, even though I know it's not going to end well, but I have to, because he's my, he's my bro. So he's my best bud. this is a good way to live your life, right? Is this, yeah. right? Yeah. Get to in a lot of interesting situations, both fictionally and in real life. Yeah. I wanted to say, and I don't think I've ever told, I mean, you guys, not a big reveal, but the first day when you guys just immediately started performing, Amy and I on the break were just looked at each other like, that, what just happened? <laughs> and like, how did this occur? It was just perfection. It was like you guys had known each other for years. You played the characters, nailed it, and then took it to the next level. Oh, I, I thought, thought you were a huge stoner. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, that guy knows what yeah. he's talking about. Absolutely oh. false. You, you sold me, so. Yeah. The chemistry is amazing. I mean, their individual performances were amazing, but the, just the gel that you guys had, I, I still Aww, pinched thanks. myself. It was and the character Amy, what's Jorge, what, what's that bond there? I think it's um because Jorge is such a follower, there's something incredibly attractive about someone else who is very much not that in the same way that um, I think his relationship with Simon is that Simon's the leader and I begrudgingly follow. There's something also incredibly like sexy and incredibly intriguing about a powerful woman who like knows what she's doing, has clear goals and has clear motivation in life that Jorge's never really seen in another person besides Simon. So I think it's kind of like the whole, I want someone exactly like my best friend as a love interest, but not my best friend. And so it was kind of, for me, that was kind of like the draw of like, wow, she has all of these qualities of um, a partner that I would want, but also, just like someone who can also totally kick my ass without even me trying, you know. So I think that that's like the power, the the power shift and paradigm shift of that is is I think what's really interesting for Jorge because I don't think he is someone who likes to take power all the time. He likes to be told what to do and is too scared to take assertive action. So he needs someone to do that for him. 
And she's think- a little safer than Simon. Right. A little, and, and <laughs> she's a lot more sane as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Simon's my favorite third wheel, though. When we get to that last scene. Oh, gosh. Right? Yeah. Like, can you imagine how much trouble Simon would actually get up to, like, as we imagine further down the road of, of Jorge and Amy being together? Like, oh, yeah. Simon probably, like, crashes maker. everything. Yeah. And, like, doesn't even realize it either. He's no. just doing his own thing, but doesn't realize that he is just knocking every shelf, breaking I I every vase. I sequel. Like, Jesse, this is it. <laughs> uh, thank you both so much for being here. You're oh, fabulous. Thanks for having thanks us. For having yeah. Us. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to dive into this interview, I have to ask my burning question. Jesse Gage, are you a Simon or a Jorge? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I would not to take the easy way out. I would say I am definitely a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, not to extremes, but I have a, a certain split down my personality. Um, probably more of a Simon if sure. I had to go. Maybe as I'm getting older, more of a Jorge. <laughs> so you're like a really well-meaning troublemaker. Yes. Yes. I would say I'm usually the idea guy in the crew. Sure. Um, Versus the follow through guy in the crew. Yes. All right. Yes. And sometimes they're good ideas and sometimes they're, you know, adventurous ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'll, I'll kind of tag along to that. There's, I feel like if this were a film, there's a bunch of different sort of inspirations. And I'm curious what yours were. If, if that was all in your mind in terms of writing style, was there a, a certain film genre you were thinking about or w- how did that play at all? Because there's, there's definitely times that it, it hits some, some notes that I was like, Oh, that's, which I'm not going to, I don't put them out there because I want to <laughs> see what you have to say. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, I've worked on a number of different writing projects and uh, this was the one that was probably the easiest to write. And because I think I knew from the beginning exactly the tone and who these characters were and what kind of story this was going to be. And it's just, I wasn't trying to be too smart or too sentimental. Um, And I certainly drew inspiration from Harold and Kumar, Bill and Ted. Um, I think I've been watching The Simpsons with my son lately. And realizing how much, I think uh, I'm realizing now that was probably the biggest influence on this story is, is The Simpsons. Yeah. Because they really take the piss out of everything. Oh, but, they, but they're they always, I mean, it's a very satirical, um, topical show. And they're, they're, you know, they do approach these troubling issues uh, with a really great sense of humor. And I think that's probably the biggest influence. And Jesse, my two of my there are two things about you I find remarkable as a writer that you kind of hit on. And one is that you do all of this by yourself. I, I mean, I think book music lyrics as a solo writer is not for the faint of heart. And then the second thing that I think makes you so special is you're the least precious writer I've ever met about any material. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but like if if something's not working or if someone gives you a note, you are so fast to like come up with new stuff. It's like it, it felt it working with you felt like working with a sketch comedy writer. Whereas I find, you know, musicals have so many moving pieces. It's not always that easy to change stuff. So can you tell me a little bit about your unique writing process, what it's like in your head? (laughs) Yeah. Well, when I first started writing musicals, um, I didn't realize that more than one person usually wrote the musicals, <laughs> to be honest with you. I just figured someone like, writes the musical. Like, gotta figure it out, yeah. And so I think it's began, the process began that way where I was always um, writing it together. So mm-hmm. the book feeds the lyric, which feeds the music. 
Um, I've written a thousand songs in my lifetime, probably. Um, and that might not be a huge exaggeration. So I'm not, yeah, not being precious about anything because I know there's more where it came from. And ultimately you have to, it has to make the story work. Mm. And that's what I've learned over the years is that's the biggest, most important factor in any of this is the story's just got to be a great story. And what got you into, because we, we heard a little bit before that you were, you went to law school. I don't know if that was right after uh, undergrad or you went right into Straight through, yep. I okay, right so then through. you're a, a lawyer and then I, I'm going to quit this and write musicals, like not TV shows, not <laughs> like, you know, not, I'm going to start a blog. I, why the musical? Was there some, something, some, something that happened or some, some inspiration that, that jumped you into this where you, did you? Your parents take you to musicals when you're a kid? No, I, I just, it wasn't something I was exposed a lot to. Uh, so it, immediately after I finished law school, passed the bar, got my first job where I didn't take a shower at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, and I, um, yeah, I realized I wanted to write songs. And I'd always been a piano player since I was a little kid. So I started writing. And, um, and I started playing out in bars uh, uh, and went down that path. Um, but I discovered musicals um, on September 11th, uh, the September 11th. I was working downtown Manhattan and hadn't made it to work yet. Luckily, I was running a little late and obviously found out what happened and ended up spending the day in Union Square uh, and wandered with my then girlfriend, now wife, into the movie theater, which had been open for free. Anyone could go in and watch movies. And there found uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the movie which I'd never heard of, uh, had no idea what it was about. And it just blew me away. I, I, I all of a sudden realized what a musical could be for my purposes. And uh, I didn't do anything with that for a while. The, the singer-songwriter thing had its day. I got tired of trekking around with the piano and, and touring around in the van, and um, which led me to this an idea I had for a show, and I just wrote the show. Um, and then that did a, a, a stint at a Nymph Festival, uh, where we found uh, someone to help pay the bills for that. And and what was the name of that show? That was called Oklahoma Enforcer of Justice. Um, the tagline was "Oversized Men in Undersized Spandex." Um, it was a story about not a comedy. <laughs> it was totally a tearjerker. Um, and it, but it had it was again it was kind of a, a story of uh, bringing love and goodness into the world. And that was that was what kicked it off. Yeah. yeah. I so one thing I love about the show, and that's why I want to uh, dig into this a little bit, is the uh, it's the comedy, and it's the Simpsons. Is, Simpsons is a great example. It's the comedy mixed with a real strong um, message. And one of those uh, that I get, there's a lot in this, um, obviously income inequality and stuff. But the other is the commodification of education, and I am. I'm curious on a lot of levels. One is, you know, where where did that come from? You obviously have many degrees. I'm assuming at least <laughs> two, if not three. So yeah, just, just two, yeah. two graduates. So you've been part of the system. I don't know. You know, uh, I'm curious, kind of your thoughts on that, uh, as someone who's really, you know, um, participated pretty fully in it. Uh, and also, I'm curious, relating to that, is at the end, the, the characters. Um, end up taking over this, right? So 
are they going to do it better? Are we, you know, because really what we've seen in this is that education has been boiled down to something you can purchase. And once it becomes that type of, uh, you know, transaction, you know, its value becomes a lot less meaningful. And also now all the, the sort of, um, uh, I don't know what you call them, but the, the, pariahs or whatever come in and, and vultures and start to, you know, take advantage of people. So I'm just curious, A, your experience and how it plays into the the comment you're making and B, why you chose in the end for them, you know, to, to, to take this over. I think that's the second question first, I I love a story that kind of ends where it begins, but you're in a different position. Um, And it just, it, it seemed like once I got towards the end, Oh, right. One of the original, uh, the old endings was, uh, so what should we do now? Oh, why don't we go to grad school? <laughs> uh, which was funny, but so, you know, someone I was kind of, that I trust their opinions, like, no, don't do that. Because there's no real closure there. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no lessons learned. Um, it just felt like such a great way to end the show and to kind of put them uh, on top. I don't think they will do a very good job running the university, <laughs> if I have to be honest. But hey. They... I just thought maybe it's going to be free now. <laughs> right, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> and maybe that is. It'll be free and everyone will come and then they'll go brand. And then they'll be done. Because <laughs> there is money needed. I don't disagree with that. Um, I mean, I certainly have a skepticism towards the higher education system. I think there are plenty of issues. Uh, I think it started when I got out of law school. There were statistics that are the U.S. World News uh, magazine has a report every year where they rank law schools. And my law school is in the top, I think, 15 or 20, and they had the salary, average salary, and it was not even close to what was out there. And it just occurred to me that these statistics are completely bogus, and we're relying on them, and they're coming from the schools. And so I, it, the first thing I did was look into how to sue my law school. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found out they were not going to voluntarily give me their files, uh, which is why you have a thing called discovery in litigation, where you have to the court will make them produce that evidence. Um, so that didn't pan out that well, but it, I think it forever left a kind of a sour taste in my mouth about. And I think there's so much good done in educational institutions, um, but there's also clearly a problem. And the for profits, I think, were an easy target to. Uh, to kind of use as the villainous entity. Well, I know this now because I've, I've talked to you, but you have a son. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to say, hey, bail on college, <laughs> go straight into musicals. <laughs> right. Skip that. It's where the money's degree. at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want uh, bank. What, what advice do you have for him? <laughs> uh, do not. Yeah. No, I would say follow your heart. You know, I mean, if it leads you to college, that's great. I think there is... Um, I think there is an overemphasis on sending kids that direction. And I also think there is a lot of these jobs could be done without these years of education. So, mm. but ultimately, you know, whatever I, I, he's, he's more, he's wiser than I am already. And he's nine. <laughs> so I trust his instincts. So I read two different scripts of this, right? Yes. And that's always dangerous because <laughs> there was something I missed in the second script that you sent me. That's in the first, which is the whole Uber scene with the people puking in the, in the Uber. <laughs> because every, so it, for those of you who obviously haven't read the first script, the whole gig economy thing um, has a, a bigger section in the Uber, right? right. And, the way you wrote it, it, it was like, A, I, I didn't know if you had actually been an Uber driver because these seem so <laughs> realistic. Um, but it really was, you know, 
that's it's miserable at times and yet with these you know these we we think this uh, gig economy is liberating uh, to people so i really appreciated that and i'm i'm curious if uh, you know because i'm i'm bugging you now you'll put that little scene back in well, that's yeah. how it works in musicals right kevin i it was tough that that sequence has been rewritten it was a uh, i mean i don't remember how it orig- it was a viral video sequence but even before that it was something else it's like I just remember the assholes chaps. Yes, and I'm I know I have to change the lyric because of that that's no longer there. <laughs> I, I, what it became what I realized it needed to be was it, it had to really make us root for these characters and they're not just being idiots trying to get rich quick. They're mm-hmm. like they're trying to go the legit way. They're trying to do what society's telling them is the right thing to do. Um I mean, in regards to those scenes, it was originally written as it was just too long. Like, you know, you, yeah. you can't spend that yeah. much real estate. But no, we, I definitely don't take advice just no, because no, I no. read it. But I've, I've, those those uh, those moments, we have people interested in animating this um, as like a you know a twenty two minute serial serialized story. Yeah. In which case, I could see that that sequence being an entire episode, yes. and you could get to bring back um, some of the, those more those really entertaining uh, longer uh, experiences that they had. Yeah, it's it's great. And so, can you tell us more what you hope is next for our our duo? Yeah, potential sure. animation, but yeah. So we've had some. Um, a, a, a couple different places expressed some interest in in trying to put together a pilot, mm-hmm. uh, an animated pilot, and then also we have um, some producers interested in in seeing it to the next phase theatrically, right? Um, which I'm super excited for. I can't, uh, you know, I just can't wait to see this cast get their get their hands on the full script and do mm-hmm. what they did at NAMPT with the rest of it because. I learned so much during that process, and the, the show got so much better just in that one week of rehearsal. And we were just talking about it uh, off microphone that that your that reading we did in October was the first reading you did of the show, which is amazing. Yeah, I I guess it is. <laughs> I mean, I, it was it was amazing for me. It was such to go from my basement and my brain where it just been rattling around. And I mean, you know, I talk to myself, I read it out loud, I act the parts. Um, but to just then go from that to that, mm-hmm. oh, it was incredible. It was it was just a great great experience. I loved it. And it I much, did too. much thank you to Sierra and the Namp crew for that. Uh, and where can, so to all of your uh, fans, do you want to direct anyone to where they can find you if they've listened to you on this podcast and they Sure, yeah. Uh, com has some of the demos from the show, some of the cast demos. We got right in uh, to my friend's apartment in Midtown and recorded in her closet because uh, the cast is just a bunch of troopers who will do anything. And Aww. I so appreciate it. Yeah, and they came out so well. I mean, literally the week after the festival, we had tracked all the songs. Wow. Um, so that some of those are up on the website and some other material from some other stuff I'm working on. Awesome. And any special thanks before we let you go? To you guys, to Josh, the studio, Kevin putting us on here. It was amazing. And Sierra and the NAMP crew, I was so happy when you guys, A, took the show on, and then B, when you called, say, hey, we might do a podcast. Like, yes. <laughs> so I was already, you could feel those moments. You know, it's a big experience and everything's, and everyone's excited. And then it ends and... Everyone that seems so interested, you're like, well, my phone's not really ringing much mm. anymore. But then it did ring again. And, some, you know, you started getting some feedback and then you called for this event. I thought, all right, yes, there is going to be more life to it. And it looks like there is. So. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, since it's a musical, we have you sing us out. You want to tell yeah. us anything about what you're going to sing? Yes. This is the, uh, the, the extended sequence that 
as Kevin mentioned, used to be much longer. Uh, I managed to cram it into a three and a half minute tune called Welcome to the Gig Economy, in which Simon and Jorge do their best, but once again, you know, fail. <laughs> and it's actually a pretty, it's a pretty uh, current day mm-hmm. topic because of what's happening in California with these new laws and right. Right. people are realizing. So, you know, there's the, there's the good and evil in your story, but there's the good and evil happening in real it's, life. Yeah, the struggle is real. Too. <laughs> it is. So I can't wait to hear this song. You'll be singing all parts for us, right? I am going to dig deep into my schizophrenia and and find all my inner voices, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Not to make fun of any of that. All right. I'm Task Rabbit, I'm Instacart, and I'm Lyft. We're here and giving you the gift of employment with enjoyment every time you work a shift. So welcome to the gig economy. Trust us, this is where you want to be. Cause working here, it's as good as it gets. Just don't ask for overtime or benefits. Dee, 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 dee. Ding dong. I'm Simon, here to complete the task for whatever services you ask. It says you need some sanding done. Boy, that sounds like a lot of fun. So before I begin, what should I know? Nothing you could start on my big toe. Go ahead and start on his big toe. So, welcome to the gig economy, where you don't have protection statutorily. And that's all because of one factor. We consider you an independent contractor. Deep, 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 deep. Hello, I'm Jorge here with your lift ride. Hop on board and get inside. Says you and your little pet have an appointment at the vet. Yes, and he prefers to ride in the front seat. What a pretty kitty! That's a rabbit ferret in heat. Watch out for the rabbit ferret in heat. So welcome to the gig economy, where your future's so bright you can barely see. Flexible schedule and highest wage. Just to read all the fine print on the page. Simon and I'm Jorge here from Instacart. Before we explain, please have some heart. You see, there was a shortage in the organic fair trade free range quinoa. So I'm sure that you will understand why instead we had to buy the cheaper brand. How dare you! Now you pay for what you've done. I'm giving you to the count of three to run. Holy shit, you better run. She's got a gun. So welcome to the gig economy Where you know you'll all end up eventually Finally find out what you haven't found out yet That you're gonna spend the rest of your life in debt Debt, 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 debt That was the ending we had totally planned on For more information about One Foot Productions, you can visit onefootprod.com. And for more information about the National Alliance for Musical Theater, you can go to www.namt.org.